If you'd be turning in your Bibles to bring it up now. Oh and I've lost it. That's a great start. I haven't lost the Bible, don't we? There's the verse. Second Corinthians chapter six and verse seventeen. Second Corinthians chapter six and verse seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What we're being told here is to come out from the world, to be different from the world. We're still in the world, but the Lord has told us in his gospel accounts that we're not of this world. We belong to him. We are separate. And we are a separate people. We're a people of all different colours. Red, yellow, black and white. All different colours and everything in between. Of all different kinds of languages. The Lord's kingdom doesn't have any borders. It is truly universal. And he is the head of the kingdom. He is the king of his kingdom. Now I want to look into this tonight. The fact that we are a separate people according to God's word. And God has always required that his people be a separate people. In fact, he has demanded it. It's just not good enough to be like everybody else. In every dispensation he has required, number one, separation. Number two, exclusiveness. And number three, holiness. Now, the Lord Jesus said in the gospel account of John, chapter 14 and verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't get any more exclusive than that, can you? You just can't go to the Father by anybody else, through anyone else. You can't go to the Father through Moses. Certainly not through the false prophet Muhammad or or anybody else. You just can't because he's the only mediator between God and man. Now, when we look into the dispensations of history so far, because there's still history to come, um, we look at the patriarchal age, where it was mostly about family religion. And the human race was, was really small at that stage, just after the ark. There weren't an awful lot of it. And each family member was under the father or the priest, and they were to remain righteous. Then we came to the Mosaical age, the Jewish age, where you find a national religion. And the nation of Israel was to maintain separation from all other nations on earth. And God gave them certain laws, which you will find in the Old Testament in the first five books of Moses. And they were to be different from the other nations around them, markedly so. People could look at them and think "Mm, that there's something separate about them. And then there was the, the, I'm sorry, my glasses steamed up at me. <laughs> the Christian age, our age now, where the religion wasn't about a single nation, but it had gone international. Simple as that. Here God demands that we be a separate nation, a separate people, a separate kingdom, the church, his church and identifiable by the way we go on. Now, the idea of being a separate family is, is, is very, very important. We can see the first idea of separation beginning with Noah. 
Now the flood separated him and his family from all those on the earth that had gone before. What was the difference between Noah and the people that went before Noah? Yes, John. Noah found grace in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. And why did the others not? But they rejected him, didn't they? Just, I mean, they'd been told something was coming. They didn't care. They said, oh, whatever. They didn't care. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. And one day they did. They did. But only those that were in the ark were saved. God told them to get into the ark, and they were the only ones who were saved. Now, we find that today through the New Testament, too. Only those of us that are in Christ, that are members of his bride, are saved. You can't be saved outside of Christ. How to become a member of his church to be a separate people? By being in Christ. You understand? Yes, John. Well, you know, it's very interesting to me mm-hmm. that in the Old Testament, we don't really know a whole lot about Noah. But the New Testament tells us that he was a preacher of righteousness, mm-hmm. which tells us that while he was building that ark, he was preaching to those about him mm-hmm. and trying to warn them. And yet nobody listened. So if I start feeling discouraged, I just think of Noah about how bad he had it. Yeah. Because there, he preached for a long time and not a single person responded outside mm. his family. And they could see him building that ark for a long time. That in well, itself was a sermon. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and then bringing all the animals together. And you, you know, you know why we, how we know they didn't speak English. Because of the animals going in, ant, ant eater, ant, ant. That's weak. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm already forward, so I can repent. So that's good. Yeah. Well, maybe you were blessed by that. There we go. <laughs> you didn't miss much. I do apologize, but but. <laughs> But I am pointing out that ministers are not perfect. Noah certainly wasn't. Because what was one of the first things Noah did after, after he went through the ark and the flood and everything else? He planted a vineyard and he got drunk. Yeah, oh, great. That's another sermon all in itself, believe me. But the idea of separation is there. And you can see how God was separating people. Now the stern requirement, well... There was a stern requirement required of Abraham. And we see this again in his life. Over in Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3. And turn with me with there, would you? Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Very important blessings there, very important foreshadowing of what's to come in the future. The stern requirement here was to get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. The Lord wanted to separate him from the idolatry that was developing 
over in that part of the world. He was in Ur of the Chaldees, which was maybe about a thousand miles south of Mount Ararat, where Noah and our family, because they are our family, landed when they survived the flood. They went down into that fertile valley and they started to be fruitful and multiply. And unfortunately, they started to stray away from God, which we see constantly throughout the history of humanity. This constant straying from God. And we also see what happens when they stray from God, don't we? Yes, Milt. point that it goes even as far back at least as far back as Cain who only wanted to give God the worship that he was willing to give him and not give the worship that God had required of him so there you see a straying you already see a separation right then and people went off doing their own things well God needed to separate Abraham become Abraham from his people to get them away from the idolatry that was growing over there and actually, you know, the name of the gods, that one of the name of the gods they were worshipping in that part of the world at the time was the moon god Marduk. And uh, Marduk is still worshipped today, and he's called by many names. One of the names is Allah. He is not Jehovah. It drives me crazy when the, uh, the media say that Allah is God, or it's the same as, you know, when Muslims say Allah Akbar, they're not saying God is great. They're saying Allah is great. It'd be like the Romans going, Jupiter is great, or the Greeks going, Zeus is great. It's not the same God. Please remember, the God of the Bible is separate from Allah. Allah is a distant God. Allah, well, doesn't exist. If, he, if, if there is such a being called Allah, it's demonic. It's certainly not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is interested in our lives intimately. Yes, no. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Well, people develop these figments of their imagination or they, they follow these d demonic forces, these, these satanic things, to justify the evil things that they do, including murdering their own children as sacrifices. They do that, and of course, that, that happens today as well. Just change the names of the god instead of Moloch, it's me, myself, and I. Make no mistake, a lot of it comes straight back to there. But that's still not separating ourselves onto God. God requires something of us. He requires obedience. He required obedience from Cain. He required obedience from the people descended from Cain who turned away from God and were wiped out of the flood. He required obedience from the people in Ur of the Chaldees. But God had to call Abraham away from them so he wouldn't be sullied by what was happening around him. And then we find that over and over. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah. That was very tempting. It was very interesting for a, 
for a lot of the people they wanted to go to these places of civilization but what was it what was that city I mean it just brought about sorrow sin people got together but they weren't getting together to worship God they were getting together to worship that old God of me myself and I and what I want yeah so yeah I think we're going to say something <laughs> yeah exactly She looked, she lost her life. She lost her life. Well, separation was the first condition that was given to Abraham. And look at what he had given up. He gave up his home, his loved ones, his friend, his way of life, his customs. I know how he feels, but he did it for a good cause. He did it for God because he loved God. And thankfully, the Wild West I went into had Cracker Barrel and places like that. So I'm grateful for that and Paula Deans and all these places that aren't good for my stomach. But what was the Wild West that he went to? What was there in the land of promise? Pagan tribes, mostly. Yeah, he was going not into such a great place, was he? Not, not at that time. But he was willing to turn his back on all of these in order to serve God. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew who he, was, who he was going with. And we should be very encouraged by that. I mean, personally, in my own life, I've found that, that I haven't known where it was going, literally, but I knew where it was, who it was going with. And that's a very good thing. You know you're going with God. But that brings us to the point of the separateness and the development of separateness, and how we can see how God had the church in mind right from the very beginning. God called the Jews out of Egypt after they had gone down. You know, you know the, the accounts. Well, why did he do this? Well, turn in ec- to Exodus chapter 8 and verse 20, and we'll see what happened. I'll give you a quick background. The, uh, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, had gone down into Egypt to avoid famine. There's a wonderful account in the book of Genesis at the end of it, if you've never read it, about Joseph. I highly recommend you do. And things were good for a while, but then the Egyptians turned against them and they were enslaved for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they were influenced by the paganism which they found. It was hard for them not to be. Well, God called them out of Egypt. He said, let my people go that they may serve me. Acts 8.20, that they may serve me. God wanted exclusiveness. See, separation was essential for their religion because their religion was in direct conflict with that of the Egyptians. The Egyptians worshipped all different kinds of gods. They worshipped men. They worshipped the, the pharaoh who believed that the sun rose in the morning because he got out of bed. That simply wasn't good enough. God will not tolerate rivals. And they became a separate nation where? At Sinai. God forged them into a nation. He gave them a constitution, the old law. He brought them out of Egypt. And he set them on track to the land of Israel. And you can read about that in Exodus 19, 4 and 5 and 1 Kings eight fifty three. Of course, like Joshua, I'm always fighting that. <laughs> the clock. We're always fighting the clock. Now that separation was to create them 
creating them a holy nation. And it was supposed to be maintained. But they were rebellious. They changed God's government and they served other gods. Again, it was me, myself and I. They weren't willing to give up their pride and turn to God. And you will notice that when the people of Israel in the, in the history, when they served their God, the God of the ancestors, they were wealthy, they were well off, they dwelled safely in the land. But when they turned against God, what happened? Boom. You think the stock market falling is bad? They just went from being very rich to being very, very poor, turned against God. And I've noticed the passion. It's like whenever they got very wealthy and felt very safe, they forgot about how they got there. They forgot about God. Yes, Mel? They were self-secure. Self-secure. And that is a terrible God. thing, isn't it? They didn't need God. No, mm, 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 mm. They thought they didn't need God, but they did need God. They definitely needed a religion, but they made it up. They made a religion up for themselves. Well, because of their rebelliousness, they, were, went, they went into captivity. And they had lost their homes. They had lost their promised land. They weren't separate anymore. I'm sorry, my glasses. Yeah. <laughs> well, the northern kingdom of Israel went into captivity first. They turned against God. They definitely wanted their own way. You see, there wasn't a single good king in the northern kingdom of Israel after the split with the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, Israel had been an empire. It had been at, at one stage a superpower on the face of the earth. But once again, greed and what I want got in the way of doing what God required. And the kingdom was split in two. And the northern kingdom wandered off into idolatry and then they were taken away into exile. And then the southern kingdom, Judah, went into exile as well a few hundred years later. You see, when Israel was in exile in Assyria, the Assyrians deported five different races into the land to intermarry with the ten tribes that were left there. And this people became known as the Samaritans that we read about later on. Now, not everyone in the northern, northern Israel was taken away. We know that at that time there was a massive influx of immigrants from Israel into, into, into the southern kingdom of Judah when the Assyrians came in because they said, I'm getting out of here, I'm running. So people talk about where are the ten lost tribes of Israel? Uh, they're not lost. They're still there. They're called the Jews. There's, there's no difference. It's the same. So that's just a false doctrine that the world talks about. Part Gentile, yeah. Yeah, they intermarried with the Gentiles. And of course, they were looked down by the Jews because they hadn't remained separate, you see. And it was a requirement, yeah. Um, and even when, when the Jews returned from Persia, there were a lot of Jewish families that had intermarried with, with pagans, and God required them to separate so that they would keep the purity of Israel. That's, what, that's the way it was at that time. And God required that of them. Well, it was only after, after Judah's reformation that God allowed her to, um, to allow the Jews to re-inhabit Jerusalem. 
and they started returning in, in various successive waves. But then we move on to the Bible, into, into, the, into the New Testament, and you still see this idea of separation. But the separation isn't based on, on, on ethnicity, because during the Jewish age, God required the Jews to be completely separate from the pagan nations. He didn't want them marrying into, into, into pagans in a large way because he didn't want them adopting their religions, their ideas or their customs that would have come with them. But then along comes the church. The old age is done. So what, what is the church? What's the idea of the church? Well, again, here you have a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, but they're not creating some a group like the Samaritans, they're becoming something different. The Jews and the Gentiles in Christ are becoming something different. Neither Jew nor Gentile, they're becoming Christians. A different people, separate unto the rest of the world. The church is the called out of God. Turn with me in your Bibles, would you, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place shall in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Sanctified means to be set apart. You see this idea of separation. So these Jews and Gentiles, these Jews, these Greeks, these Egyptians, these Babylonians, barbarians, people from all over, were being united in Christ, sanctified and set apart from the people around them. Called to be saints. Saints means to be the, um, the people that are sanctified and yes, very interesting to me to note that there in that verse, the two B's mm-hmm. are italicized, which means they were added by the translators. Yeah. So the original text said called saints. Yeah. Called saints. That's different than called mm-hmm. to be saints. Yeah. So, so I, I thought, you know, that, that would strengthen the statement that the word saints means Christian. Exactly. You're right. It does. And with that sanctification, with them being Christians, they're not identifying with what they were before. You remember in the, in the letter to the Hebrews, the Hebrews writer is, is constantly telling the Jewish Christians, the Christians of Jewish descent, don't go back into where you were. Don't be following the laws of Moses anymore. You're Christians now. Why have silver when you can have gold? And that's the message of it. Why have the silver when you can have gold? Why be part of the old the, the old covenant, when you can be a part of the new covenant, that's so much better. It's so much better, and it is pleasing to God. So we are, we are called out. And we're called to be a, a royal priesthood. Please turn to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. A spiritual house, a, a holy priesthood, set apart to serve him, to serve God. 
were also called a holy nation. Let's see. Turn to Second Timothy, first chapter one and verse nine. Second Timothy. What page is it? I don't know what page is. <laughs> Second Timothy one and verse nine. We <laughs> Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us. In Christ Jesus before the world began. Did I read the right verse? Yes, I did. Okay, yeah, a, a peculiar nation, you see, given us a holy calling, not according, not according to our works. And turn to Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, please. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Now, what does he mean by a peculiar people? Is it like they're peculiar, they're they're weird, they're odd, they're strange? I know that could be, you know, legitimately said about me. I completely admit that. I'm not ashamed of it. It's okay. I don't mind being peculiar like that, as long as it's peculiar. Ha ha. But what what exactly did, 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 does the scripture mean by a peculiar people? George, according to the world standards at that And you bring up a very good point. I mean, at that time, it was so obvious that they were different, that people took note. It needs to be obvious that we're different so that people will take note today. And if it's not obvious, we're doing something wrong. Tim, I think. Yeah. Different. People should know, sir. Yes, no. Yeah, I thought you were asking. Oh, <laughs> oh it's okay. It's okay. I thought he was. It's okay. Let's see. Job. Here we go. Well, the peculiar here, you know, you think about it, and a Christian, their desires should be different than the desires of the people around them. That's right. Their motivation should be different than the people that are around them. Their goals and their methods to achieve those goals should be different from the people around them. I see peculiar here as different or strange from those about. Yeah. And we're definitely supposed to be that. Yeah. Because yeah. we're not supposed to be motivated by the things of the world like everybody around us is. Mm-hmm. We're to be uh, motivated by those things that are spiritual 
rather than those things that are of the flesh. That's right. So the things of the flesh are death and eternal separation. That's right. That's right. Well, we've been yeah. indoctrinated oh. with a different teaching, and that's what makes us And we, we learn from the Bible to, to stay true to the doctrine of Christ and his apostles because if we start wandering, we're off in the, the land of Kenneth Copeland and, ooh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, what tells us also not to be conformed or molded by this world, mm-hmm. but be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus. So Christ being the model that we're trying to conform to is what changes us and makes us different. Because if we're just different to be different, that's not right. It's Mm-mm. not good enough. No, we gotta not. be the right different. Yeah. The right. There you go. And also we've got to be a way that that they see and that they as we spread the seed that they want to be part of. And we can't be um, people that aren't happy. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say, well, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that as a Christian, which is, they're really not Christians in, in a sense because they're complaining about the stuff they can't do. And, you know, we have to be happy, content, and draw people to us. Also, mm-hmm. being, like, different, but we have to, you know, like, that's right they need to want to be a part of us and they need to want that they, they need to see that we are different from others because people in the in the non-religious world they think about the religious world and they're thinking like those crazy guys like kenneth copeland you know the, the, these men that get up and they're going blah, 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 blah. that's what they're thinking and we have to explain we're not like that they're thinking of the of the the people that are swinging stuff you know like little balls from side to side and, and all this kind of thing. They're, they're thinking of all the wrong things because, well, yeah. People look at it as weak people that want, you know, that are, are fearful. It, it seems like Christians should be strong. They shouldn't be like sheep, you know. They just have to be led, or led about. We need to be strong, independent, but yet of God's people. Exactly. And God wants us to study to show ourselves approved. He wants us to ask questions. He wants us to read the Bible for ourselves so that we're not like all those people like you were talking about that, that look at these false prophets like Kenneth Copeland and, and all those guys and men and women that are just, they're just out for themselves. Yeah. Well the, well, the devil's very charismatic. But, yeah, but people need to know it's not the same. Yeah. And, you know, people, that's right, and, and people will notice, and I found this, found this out, that what people will notice is that when you speak where the Bible speaks and are silent where the Bible is silent, they notice there's a difference. Because I, I, was, I was researching about Kenneth Copeland just, just a, a few hours ago, and he will come up with new Holy Scripture. 
that he got straight from God. Brand new Holy Scripture, and he'd bring it out. He gets these post-it notes from God, and these new Holy Scriptures he's bringing out. That's not Holy Scripture. That's out of his own mind. This man's a false prophet. As Christians, we're supposed to stand and take a stand against the evil of this world, against false religion, to show that we're separate and different from other people. Think about, at the very beginning of Christianity, what happened? You see Peter and the apostles, and they're out there, they're out there, they're in front of the religious authorities of the day, and they're saying, okay, you need to go home, don't be causing a ruckus, don't be causing a problem, don't be causing offense to your neighbors, just go home, do what you want, shut up, and we might let you live. What did they do? They went straight out and they preached the gospel. That's what they did. Their attitude was, I will not shut up, I'm going to preach the gospel, even if it leads to my death, because I believe in it. We are separate. And we are disobeying God by not showing the world that we're separate, by not pre preaching the word of God. I and mean, we don't have to go around teaching all the time about the false doctrines and the denominations. All we need to do is to say, this is what the Bible says. And it's plainly obvious what they're teaching is wrong. It's plainly obvious. Now, when you see men like Kenneth Copeland, I'm naming him again, but there's lots more than just him, make a prophecy and the prophecy doesn't come true, over and over it's not coming true and then he says oh it's your fault because you didn't pray enough or you didn't give enough money to me and all this nonsense you know they're a false prophet and you know you're not going to hear that from me these guys are getting up and they're saying don't question what I say I'm God's prophet don't question me I say question me question everything and it is time for me to make myself separate from this pulpit thank you for your attention <laughs> and thank you for your help